My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. Hi, on today's episode of Just a Mom, I have a mom friend here whose name is Carrie. Carrie Driscoll, thank you so much for being here today, Carrie. Oh, thanks for having me, Susie. Well, Carrie and I have uh, gone a few miles on some different paths over the last several years, but I really appreciate her being willing to share her journey as just a mom, parenting uh, a teenager, a young teen with uh, some mental health issues and through those. So, Carrie, let's just start off with a, with some of the background information. Tell me a little bit about your family. Sure. Um, I have two daughters, Rachel and Laurel, um, and my husband, Eric. We were married for 15 years, and Eric died in 2017. And the girls were 8 and 11 at that time, and now they're 16 and 13. And Laurel is our youngest. And she has always had kind of symptoms of anxiety. She was always a mama's girl. Even when she was a toddler, she showed symptoms. And and Eric was really, really good with her. And then when Eric died, you know, everything hit the fan, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. And uh, gosh, um, she just couldn't control it anymore. And it just she was diagnosed severely depressed with anxiety and extended bereavement, um, I think two years after he died, but she was in therapy after he died just a few months later. But, um, yeah, and that started, yeah, when she was age nine, I guess. So you said you had sort of seen signs or symptoms of that from an earlier age. Yes. She had the baby blanket. She sucked her thumb. She had, uh, Brutus, the emotional support Chewini who is lucky he's still alive. <laughs> I love that. She, um, we would do everything together. Mm. And when she went to preschool or wherever she went, anywhere, she would ask me what I would be doing. Mm. She wanted to know um, if I was going to pick her up, which 99.9% of the time, yes. <laughs> right. If we went to an event, uh, she was always very concerned about the toilet situation. Like, what is she going to have to pee on? So, like, if we went to the Renaissance Fair, Mm -hmm. I'd have to pull up pictures of the Renaissance so she would know what it would look like. And and I would do it. I mean, she she would say that she's the favorite child. It's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's no such thing. (laughs) But, you know, I remember her being little and sucking her thumb. And she was like, Mommy, where are we going? Are there do they have real bathrooms? Mm. You know, and so we'd have to look up where we were going so she could see. So what if there weren't real bathrooms? Then I would assure her and let her know that I would keep it cracked and I would be right there at the, you know, and or hold her or help her hover or whatever. Mm. And I would have I would have sanitizer. Don't worry, we can wash our hands. I'll take care of you. <laughs> 
No, that's because, yeah, yeah, it manifests in a lot of different ways. We also always had a plastic toilet seat in the back. And I know some of that might sound like normal parenting things, but when you have a kid who's really worried about, am I going to be able to use a restroom when I need to? That's a big deal. <laughs> Normally, mm-hmm. that's a huge. You know, deal. it's a huge deal for for her. So we, I mean, and we have pictures, which are kind of little jokes, but and we laugh and she rolls her eyes about Laurel using the toilet at the state football game oh, yeah. in Colorado. You know, in parking lots. Yeah, because. <laughs> It's a thing. It's a thing. A person needs to know that they can do that. Right. (laughs) Without having a lot of anxiety about it. Right. Right. All right. So that goes way back then to when she was really, I mean, not that she's not still young, obviously, but to a very young age. And then fast forward to when. Well, and Eric used to breathe with her, too. Like, Mm. um, you know, he was a football coach, and so he was mm-hmm. gone a lot. By the end of the evening, I'm done. I'm worn mm-hmm. out. I'm so exhausted. You know, the kids, you love being a parent, but it's so exhausting. The days are so long. Right. So he'd get home, and I'm like, dude, I'm tapped out. Like, mm-hmm. you're up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your turn now. <laughs> and he'd go and check in on her, and she'd be having some sort of an attack. But we didn't know that that's what it was. She wasn't diagnosed with anything. And he would lay with her, and he would breathe with her. and. Mm. And that was something she was worried about when he died. Oh, mm. she had lots of worries, mm-hmm. but one of them was, um, you know, who's going to help me calm down? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And for a nine-year-old, yeah. what a what a scary new reality. Yeah, it was. Because yeah. probably most nine-year-olds don't even get the finality of of what mm-hmm. death really means. So, in addition to the grief of the tragic sudden loss yeah then she's got these other worries that he helped her through yeah yeah Mm. so Rachel I remember we were standing over Eric's body in the ICU room so Eric had a massive brain aneurysm it was instant um but uh he was with football coaches who gave him CPR so it like prolonged his body but he was never conscious but I remember standing in that ICU room with the girls and, uh, you know, they ask questions, you know, because I, I was talking about dad's not going to come home. Mm-hmm. And Rachel was 11 at the time. And she was like, are we going to still be able to be Driscoll's? Mm. You know, wow. <laughs> like mm. they don't even comprehend that. And Laurel's first question is, um, you know, she's eight. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, who's going to take me to dad's and donuts? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they had lots of other questions. Sure. But those are some that rem- you really remember. Yeah. So, all right, then after, you know, the service and mm. some of the kind of hoopla surrounding yeah. that for the rest yeah. of us right. settled down. Tell mm. me what it was like then. Um, it was hard. Mm. It was hard. Rachel, um, Rachel compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. So she was functioning. She wanted to go back to normal life. Laurel and I struggled. I struggled mm-hmm. a lot. Um, Laurel um, has since conveyed to me that she felt like she had to take care of us. Mm. She had to step up in that mom role. Um, and she immediately went to therapy. Um, I was afraid of them having daddy issues, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know how to help them. And mm-hmm. I'm grieving myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she went to therapy, and they didn't talk a whole lot about Eric, um, but 
since then, um, probably this year, so she's 13 now, this year her and her therapist has, have gone deeper into the grief, mm-hmm. but she's also old enough and more emotionally intelligent to talk about it. She's got the communication skills for mm-hmm. it. Um, so that's been good. Um, she used to sleep with me. We used to cry. Mm-hmm. We used to hold each other. Mm. Um, she used to rip Kleenexes and throw them on the ground. And that was how she dealt with it. Um, yeah, she would say, why did daddy have to die? Mm-hmm. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you don't have an answer. Right. You know, because there is no answer. Um, it was, she stayed home a lot. The schools were really good. Um, and I'm glad. I'm so thankful. Like, we didn't have to worry about, like, CPS being called. Like, they knew mm-hmm. what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um the following year, she so she missed a lot of school. The following year, she went into a classroom, and one of her classmates had um, dealt with a significant loss as well. And so they had there was a chair in the corner, and I remember the teacher was like, "Laurel, whenever you and this little friend need to have a break, you know, by yourself or together, one of them would go to the chair, and the other one would go to." the other mm. and that was it was weird they became friends mm-hmm. because of grief mm-hmm. they you know? bonded over a yeah. common experience yeah and mm. um I do remember Laurel telling me one time um nobody you know everyone says that they know what it's like to be sad but they they don't really know mom mm-hmm. and then you've got her grieving on top of mm-hmm. <laughs> anxiety mm-hmm. and depression because now she's scared that mom's gonna die sure Anytime I left the house, where are you? In fact, just the other day, mm. <laughs> I stopped on the way home. I see a garage door open. One of my neighbors is out having a beer mm-hmm. and I pull into his driveway because I'm like, dude, you saved us the other day because I was at work with clients and I get a text message from my kids that the fire alarms are off, but there's no fire. And I'm like, I'm sure it's just a battery. You know, I'm texting in the middle of a client and and I was like, let me call our neighbor who's always home. So he saved the girls from the constant ringing. And so I popped in there to thank him Mm -hmm. and we visited for a little while and I left my car running and my my phone in the car because Mm -hmm. I thought if I do that, then I won't stay forever. Right. But you better believe I had about four text messages from Laurel Mm. and when I got in my car, mom, where are you? Mm. Are you dead? Are you still alive? (laughs) Are you hurt? So that is that's it's a still thing. there. It's still there. And she's she's finally on good medication too. So we did see a psychiatrist. Okay. Um at and, what point in the journey was um, that? Let me think here. Let's see, Eric died in you know what? I have it on my phone. I I bet it's like two years. Okay. I bet it was like two years after Eric died that okay. we was went to a psychiatrist because okay. I think it was too much for us to um, okay. It was a year. Okay. And she started 10 milligrams of Lexapro okay. and that was supposed to help with both her anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And it did. And then she had a friend, um, break up mm-hmm. seven year best friend. Uh-oh. And then she started having panic attacks. Mm. That was hard. And then we ended up homeschooling her. Okay. <laughs> um, and we had to get a new psychiatrist because she moved. And then we started some supplementals and multivitamins. And then um, COVID happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How was that for her? 
great. Okay. So you, cause you hear both, you know, some <laughs> was, people was like, this was awesome. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> she okay. loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, and then that next year she wanted to return to public school. Okay. And she asked to have an increase in the Lexapro and they told her not yet. Okay. Um, so she's back at public school now. Full time. She starts menstruating in mm. October. I'm, I'm literally looking at my. I have a. I'm, I have a note. I'm, I'm sure, sure you, you have one too. Oh yes, yes, yes. So then, she, and that changes things too. Yes. You know, the mood oh, swings. Yes. Um, and then two months later in December, that's when she was suicidal. Okay. Yeah, and that was December of 2020. Okay. Um, and then in January we got her to be part time. So she and she's still part time. So it's been over a year and she's still a part-time student. So she goes for her core classes for four hours when she can. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she comes home for her exploratory classes at the Driscoll Academy. Well, you were a teacher. You are a teacher. So that that She just reads and writes. (laughs) It's fine. I think those are pretty good exploratory things to do. For sure. (laughs) Um, but we are finally also looking at a 504 okay, and uh, and getting that in place because she's going to go to high school next year. And I don't know what that I mean, I've got I've got new fears about surrounding that. OK, you know, um, but I'm hoping the 504 is going to help a lot. Sure. Let's go back okay. a little bit. Yeah. Let's go back to December of 2020. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that, if you would. What? Did she come to you and say, hey, mom, I'm feeling suicidal? Did you mm. see signs? What, how she, did this come out? She, could, she wouldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't feel like going to school. She slept all the time. I mean, at first it was just kind of a joke, like, oh, she's sleeping, she's growing. And then I was like, I can't get her to move, to mm. want to shower. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was concerned. Um, she was still seeing her therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, her therapist got out of her that she, I, you know, I don't even, I don't even remember. Yeah. It was all kind of like a blur. Um, but I do know that her therapist and I talked and she had said that Laurel had already decided that if she was, she, she didn't think she would, but if she was going to, she was going to take pills. So in other words, she had thought about a plan. Yeah, she did. So when you found that out, tell me how, how that hit you. Uh, glad you brought these tissues mm-hmm, up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was really, really hard. You know, I, I can't imagine a world without Laurel in it. I didn't want to lose anyone again. Um. You know, I, she had said things like, you know, if dad's in heaven, I want to go see dad, you know, and, and I hate that too. Like, um, you know, people say that to, mm. you know, Eric's in a better place. He's with Jesus. Well, I want to go see dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mm-hmm. good place. Jesus is there. I want to go too. Mm. You know, it's confusing for a kid. So, you know, now she's 10 or 11, however old she is and saying, and saying she wants to go see dad, um, and so we hid all the medicine. Mm-hmm. We put away all the knives and the and the um, 
scissors and all the sharp things. And we sat with her. And uh, we took shifts. So Rachel and I took shifts mm-hmm. with her. Mm. And uh, we just sat in the room. Even when she screamed and yelled because she didn't want us to be mm-hmm. in there with her. We didn't care. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Rachel is 14 or 15 at this time. 13. Yeah. 15, yeah. Um, so how, how did that affect her? Um, we were, I mean, we, Rachel and I are better than we have ever been since Eric died. We used to fight all the time. Um, but since Eric died, I don't, something's clicked and her and I are really, really good unless she's annoying me. (laughs) Cause let's face it. She is a teenage girl. Exactly. So, (laughs) um, We just teamed up. We were Mm. like, we're doing this, you know. Um, Yeah, it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. We didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, We tried to, let's go get ice cream. Let's Mm -hmm. go in the van and blow the stink off us, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. And and sometimes that was a challenge. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get dressed. Just Mm -hmm. stay in your pajamas. Bring a blanket. Mm -hmm. It'll be fun, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it was really, really hard. I know that's when... I called you. I don't even know mm-hmm. when I called mm-hmm. you at some point. And mm-hmm. I was like, Susie, I need help. Mm-hmm. I know you've dealt with this. Mm-hmm. Were there people besides me that you talked to about this? Um, yeah. I didn't like what they had to say. Okay. Um, it was, oh, you got to get her up and out. You got to get her moving. I couldn't get her out of bed. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get her to roll over. Mm-hmm. Like getting her out of the house to go get sunshine and take a walk around the block was impossible at this moment. Like she just needed to sleep and I needed to support her and love her. Mm-hmm. And just I sat on the edge of the bed. I laid with her. Mm-hmm. I rubbed her back. Mm-hmm. We'd bring food to her. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to eat with us tonight? Mm-hmm. No. OK. You know, we'll bring you dinner. Mm-hmm. And and still like um, she missed all week last week of school. Okay. And she's medicated and in a good place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she had a week of, I don't know. She seemed happy at the house, too. I mean, the house is kind of like a safe space mm-hmm. for her. So I want her to feel safe. For sure. And sometimes, you know, people are like, do you think she's taking advantage of you? Do you think she's using the depression mm. to stay at home? And I'm like, no. So I just kind of let let that go through in one ear throughout the through the other because they don't know like right a lot of times they don't know yes unless you've walked yeah. this this path you don't know and and people unfortunately do say all kinds of things well-intentioned as they may be and you've experienced that i'm sure yeah on many different fronts yeah um and the, that's one of the hardest things I think too, or is when people do say if you if you open up and confide in someone and then they say something that yeah. is not helpful or is even hurtful. Yeah, absolutely. And you know they even say uh, sometimes I hear things like, "Well, she's not going to be able to get a real job. You know, how's she going to support herself?" And I'm like, "There's lots of ways to make money. Like, <laughs> she's going to be fine. She's going to find something she's passionate about, and that will drive her." To get up and go, and when she doesn't feel like it, she'll take a mental health day because mm-hmm. that should be a thing. Absolutely. And it's okay. 
I mean, ever heard of passive income people? Like, <laughs> come well, on. <laughs> I'm sitting with the queen of passive income. So. But that's a different podcast. Um, and I think, too, gosh, I know when we were in the thick of those moments, yeah. I didn't really care about school or grades or activities. Yeah. My goal was just to keep my son alive. Yes. And so you're like, well, I don't, I'm not thinking 10 years down the road. I'm thinking 10 minutes right. down right. the road. And I do, I do worry about the 10 years down the road when she's not in my house, when I'm not watching her, when I'm not keeping an eye on how she might be re- responding to her medication. Mm. I want, I worry about that. I do. But yeah, you know, I'm in that 504 meeting with her, her teachers, um, last week two weeks ago she hadn't been to school all that week and mm-hmm. i was like you know what sometimes things are more important than school and they all nodded i don't know if they really believed that but they were just yep carrie said it it must mm-hmm. be true <laughs> well and again to clarify you are a former teacher so i am a former teacher yeah, yes a so, former middle school teacher <laughs> right so you you obviously think school is an important thing but right in the in, in the great the, grand scheme of that's things, right for sure um, you know, and I told her teachers too, I said, you know, she struggles with her friends too. Cause mm. you know, your emotional well being can do that when you're too tired to reach for the phone and text hi to a friend. Mm-hmm. So her friendships suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't have a lot of friends and I worry about that. Um, but when she says, mom, can I go and have a sleepover with so-and-so or can so-and-so come over? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the next day or two, She's exhausted mm-hmm. and she's down and out. She's sleeping. She, we will probably miss Monday school if she has a Saturday night hangout with a friend. Mm-hmm. Not because they're doing some crazy wild party is because her emotional well-being cannot. She doesn't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But her friends are important than Monday at school. Yeah. And you have to make those priorities. Yeah. That priority list and decide. How to go with it. Thankfully, CPS has not been called. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think that they would probably hold you up there in Uh, terms of one of the better parents. But okay, and that's another thing I want to ask you about, because I know when we went through this with Will, I kept thinking, I'm such a bad mom. Oh, but you're Mm. such a good mom. Well, things like this don't happen to good parents. Yeah. What did you ever hear that? Did how do you respond to that? Um, I think that we put that on ourselves a Mm -hmm. lot, don't we? We're like our own worst enemies. I felt that myself. I felt it even with my work. Mm. You know, I'm a grief and a life coach for widows, and I'm like, how can I be a good life coach if my daughter is home and is suicidal and Mm. doesn't want to get out of bed. Like Mm -hmm. I can't be a good life coach. I can't be a good parent. Like Mm. I, you know, I'm the go getter. I'm the oldest child who did homework Friday night before I went out, Mm -hmm. you know, like, (laughs) and my kid can't even get out of bed. Mm. Like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Did we go wrong? And uh, yeah, that resonates for you too, huh? Oh gosh. Yes. So, when that happened, duh, or when it happens, what do you do with that now? Knowing what you know now, when those voices tell you, I'm a failure, I'm a bad mom, 
you know, how did this happen? Because if I were a good parent, my kid wouldn't have these struggles. Um, well, I have kicked those voices' butts. Good for you. <laughs> they don't girl. sneak in anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, they're kids. Yep. They're all going to make mistakes, whether or not that they can help them. She can't help her emotional well-being. I mean, there's a, there's things that she can do to help. Today, her job, like I give the kids chores every day, mm-hmm. right? And they do them without hesitation. Which is amazing right there. I, <laughs> well, saying. when you have a sit down coming to Jesus and you're like, listen, dad's dead. Mm. It is us. We're a family. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying you um, an allowance. You live here. Everyone contributes. There are certain things that only mom can do. Mm-hmm. You're going to help me with the other things. Mm-hmm. But today, her job is to take the weenies. We have two two min- small dogs. Your job is to take the weenies for a walk around the block. They need to stretch their legs. And mm-hmm. she was like, ugh. And I was like, Laurel, it'll be good for you, too. Mm-hmm. So, And then she was like, okay, mom. So that's her job. It's just one block. Yeah. But it'll make a world of difference for all of them mm-hmm. involved. For sure. So... After you got through December 2020, the suicidal Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. period, how long did that last? Um, gosh, a while. She was suicidal for, for sure a week. Okay. Idealizing it, uh, hard for four days, two weeks. And that was two weeks before Christmas. Um, by March... She wasn't suicidal, but she was still down. And we went back to the psychiatrist and we got on different medication. Okay. And so that's when they added Wellbutrin. So okay. she really struggled, Jan- I guess it would be December to March. Okay. That whole, what is that, third quarter mm-hmm. of school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she was suicidal for a week. Okay. For sure. Okay. At what point did you feel comfortable leaving her? alone during after that suicidal period that's an excellent question and i don't even know when Mm. it was probably a couple months Mm -hmm. you know if rachel was home go check on make sure you Mm -hmm. check on your sister Mm -hmm. keep an eye on her Mm -hmm. it was a lot of that Mm -hmm. because i had to go to work right (laughs) you know um but luckily rachel um was home and we had COVID on our side mm-hmm. weirdly mm-hmm. um but we were home mm-hmm. right um so it was check on your sister a lot mm-hmm. when did you start to see you know the the darkness lift a little bit and what did that look like uh, oh gosh Probably after we got her on new mats. Okay. We added the Wellbutrin. Uh, She did come out of her room in March. Mm. And I remember because when she did, I thought, she's six feet taller. (laughs) (laughs) All that sleeping did. Yeah. Contribute to some growth physically. So I remember we laughed and put Mm. a level on her and Rachel's head. I took a picture of it. You know what I mean? It just came up in my news feed. Mm. Um, yeah, because she was already like six inches taller than Rachel. Wow. Now. Or, or she had just become taller than Rachel. 
We laughed about that, and she had a psychiatrist appointment. And then they added Wellbutrin to help with her depression, specifically. And we saw a change, significant change, two days later. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty quick. It was quick. It was quick. So she went in on a Thursday. By Saturday, she was her old self. Wow. But by Monday... She dropped again. Okay. So then we had to do an, an increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we finally found, because I, I, her, her um, principal and I are friends on Facebook. Okay. So I know the principal saw, Laurel's having a great day. This mm. is great. You know? And then she's like, but she's not here on Monday. So what happened? <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in other words... She didn't just take a pill and all of a sudden things were better. Right. No, no. And that, no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And we've had to play with it. And mm-hmm. I mean, and still she struggles. So mm-hmm. we're um, adding more B12. Okay. Yeah, because this would have been less than a year ago. Yeah. So, so therapy wise, she's still in therapy. Yeah. So she basically has never stopped going to therapy since Eric died. That is correct. She used to go once a week and then she has dwindled down to every two weeks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is her present, you know, level of, of mental health? How's she doing? I think she's, I think she's doing really well. Good. Uh, she's very self-aware. Mm-hmm. She knows when she ha- needs to have a day in bed. And the fact that she is feels safe enough to communicate that to me mm-hmm. is a huge win. Mm-hmm. Um, if she's been in bed a, a several days, I'll ask her, mm-hmm. um, are you thinking about suicide? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, we don't really have that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. She's at least up. Like, mm-hmm. like last week she was not in school but she was up and happy and reading and so that was different um i did discover that she was cutting this year so that's new that was new and Mm. i think she was curious okay i mean she's very um emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm. she's very mature Mm -hmm. when you have a dad die Mm -hmm. (laughs) you become very mature very quickly Mm -hmm. Um, but I think she was curious if that would help. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just was holding her arms funny. And I was like, do you not? I was like, mm-hmm. do you not have a bra on? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and she was like, no, no, that's not it. And I and then I thought, you're hiding your arms. Mm-hmm. And so I grabbed her arms and she kind of held them back. And she didn't have many and they were fresh. Okay. And so I think it was a new thing. And... Um, I probably didn't handle it my best. <laughs> uh, that's the first time you've said that, so I'm glad that for the other four years leading up to that, you had done it perfectly. We could oh, all learn perfect. a lesson. <laughs> I was perfect. Insert thank God for, for so much little, sarcasm. So, thank God for a little slip-up, finally, right. in your perfect parenting. No. So, oh, gosh, so no, you didn't handle no, it perfectly. God, we just we second-guess everything that we do. Yes, we do. Um, we just, we really do, but I just, yeah. No, I yelled at her about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, is that where we're at? Mm. 
And I said, there are healthier ways to deal with your sadness. Mm -hmm. Find it. Mm -hmm. And how did she respond to that? Um, I think I scared her. Mm -hmm. I mean, since Eric died, I don't yell a whole lot. Mm -hmm. The house is calmer, more peaceful. We intentionally do that. I mean, I've yelled at Rachel, but that was about something else. That's another podcast, not yours. Uh, (laughs) But especially with Laurel, I don't yell at Laurel because, you know, Laurel's the golden child. Mm. Um, (laughs) Right. Yes. So everyone thinks. Right. Mm. Um, But yeah, I yelled at her about that. Mm. And then we did body checks. Yeah. So I would, I said, I'm not taking your door, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm going to walk in. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. she's like, where's my privacy? And I was like, you don't get any. I mean, you, you get no privacy at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I will knock and I walk in because mm-hmm. it's my house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I would do body checks. I was like, let me see your arms. Let me see your stomach. Let me see your legs, your mm-hmm. thighs, mm-hmm. you know, and I know she was embarrassed, mm. but, um, we do it anyway. And are you still doing that? No. Okay. No. So you feel like she's got a, a, yeah. a better grasp on. Also, I've noticed she wears T-shirts around me, whereas she was really into like long sleeves. Mm, yeah, during that's that a time. big sign mm-hmm. of, of cutting. But it? I didn't notice it because long sleeves and sweatshirts are comfy. And, sure. You know. Mm. Yeah. So... Did she talk to the therapist? Did you guys talk to the therapist about the cutting? And So that's interesting. No. Okay. She was scared that I would tell her therapist. Hmm. Why was she afraid of that? I thought that was interesting, too. I think it was, uh, I think because the therapist knew that she had idealized suicide mm-hmm. before, I think that this would be another red flag for the therapist and maybe the therapist would feel like she would need to make a phone call Mm. to someone else. I don't know. But Laurel had a a huge fear in that. Hmm. And she was like, I promise never to do it again. And Mm. I think I could tell that she meant it. Okay. You know, Um, and we did the body checks and, you know, and it wasn't much. I think it was, I think it was just curiosity. Sure. You know, and, and, um, you know, after Eric died, I got a tattoo, my first and my only, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not very big, (laughs) Mm. but I remember telling the kids and, you know, I, I tell people in my work that, um, like I enjoyed the pain, Mm. like it was nice to have pain somewhere else other than the pain that was in my heart at the Mm -hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's do another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, it wasn't cutting. It was a tattoo. Sure. But I remember saying I could see how someone and I hate I hate that mm-hmm. knowing, you know, knowing the pain that she must have been feeling. Yeah. And that that was that was her outlet. Mm-hmm. And or would it could it be an outlet for mm-hmm. her? And mm-hmm. so she was testing it out. Sure. At least. Do you think in any way possible that social media or because there are, I I know there are some social medias that glamorize different things such as cutting mm-hmm. and and my son was a cutter as well. Yeah. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Did that play into it at all? My older daughter would say yes. Okay. Um and I think so too. Okay. Um 
some of her friends um, I know did. And I think Laurel was like, I wonder if this would help me. And I think she started exploring it a little bit, maybe on social media. And she said something, too. um, uh, And maybe it just was, yeah, like TikToks or something or Mm so-and-so's a cutter or, you know, they're they're clean. That's something that she says, too, now. Like, I've been clean for this many days. And she means of Mm self-harm. And, uh, of course, Rachel, they're at this age where they hate each other, but they love each other. (laughs) Like, Rachel's, like, rolling her eyes, like, you're clean, what, of drugs and alcohol, you know? And, like, (laughs) Laura's like, no, of cutting. And Rachel's like, that's stupid. And whatever. I mean, they're teenage girls fighting. Sure. Um, That's normal. (laughs) Teenage sister behavior. I have have two sisters. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But, yeah, I do think it plays a role. I think it's good that people talk about it. I hate that it's glamorized. And that, I'm glad you said that because as I asked that question, I wouldn't in any way, shape, or form want it to be misconstrued yeah. because cutting is absolutely a real thing in terms of people do it for the exact reason you were saying or like Will talked about when he did cutting, he, he wanted to feel something, yeah, anything. You know, he had become so numb and shut down his feelings so much that that was a way to feel Mm. something or the the pain was so unbearable. Then if you had this physical pain, probably like your tattoo, your emotional, mental pain was so incredibly overbearing that for a few minutes, it felt better. It gave some relief. Mm -hmm. So... I don't in any way want to minimize that, but I do know that there are the, you know, sites and TikToks and whatever that do glamorize things like cutting and other forms of self-harm. So I just wonder, so I I hope you don't mind that I asked you that question because um, I, it kind of goes into my next question just of social media in general now, sweet little Laurel was eight years old when her, well, or even younger, yeah. when her struggles started. How do you think social media has or has not affected her mental health? Ooh, we don't have time for this one, do we? <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is the good all one. All the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it has helped Laurel not feel alone. Mm -hmm. I she's Eric struggles with uh, some anxiety I don't know if you knew this but he threw Mm. up before football games no yeah especially his first year he probably would not be happy that no he would not (laughs) like and I won't tell his mom (laughs) his mom went to school with him because Mm. he couldn't be he had separation anxiety from his mom that's why Mm. Marilyn followed all the way through high school it was kind of a joke, you know. Um, so I think that, um, you know, Laurel and Eric had that in common. Mm-hmm. And then when Laurel's old enough to start communicating that, you know, I have these fears, I'm getting panic attacks. Like she lays down on the ground because she's having a panic attack and she needs to ground herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she She's like, I'm the one in the family who's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And so having social media... You know, she starts, 
I'm sure she was looking up hashtags of Ooh. depression and anxiety or teens, you know, with depression and and finding other people like her. Mm. So the nice thing is she wasn't feeling alone anymore. Look at all these other people. These um, people struggle too. Mm-hmm. And they're okay. Mm-hmm. Or here's their story. Or, mm-hmm. um, But at the same time, uh, with everything, there's good and bad that come from it. You know, I, I don't know if ideas were planted in her head, you know, like about the cutting. Like, would she have come up on that on her own or not? Um, or different ways that she could carry it out if she did want to um, end things for her. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me sad and to think about it, mm-hmm. that those things are out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I also think it has aided in her self-awareness and her emotional intelligence to be able to, to say these things, too. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And like you said, there's there are some really good yeah. things going on on social media. Yeah. Even locally, some of the movements for team mental health, you know, zero reasons why, those Absolutely. types of organizations and they're doing a lot of really good things on social media, so I can see that as a definite yeah. um, plus for for the kids. You said that you're starting to think about and look forward to high school. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, I said I was scared about it. <laughs> well, I guess, let me say, look forward to meeting, looking into the future. <laughs> so what scares you about her going to high school? Um, because her anxiety and depression interfere with her attendance a lot of the times. Um, and then she gets overwhelmed with the amount of workload and then she can't function and then more workload comes and then she can't function and then she's up for 48 hours stressing about Mm -hmm. it and it's not like your normal kid stressing like of course she's gonna stress she's got so much work to catch up on no this is panic attack Mm -hmm. like i can't get out of bed stressing Mm -hmm. like this is different stressing right uh this is she's sweating through all of her clothes stressing Mm. this is she calls me at nine o'clock because i dropped her off at eight but she's already sweat through her clothes and she's refusing to take clothes to school because people would notice so i'll just leave Mm. um i'm afraid that if she goes to high school that she's not going to be able to keep up with the workload and that the pressure will be too much um So that's why we're setting up the 504 Mm -hmm. to give her extended uh, time with no points off Mm -hmm. um, and also reduced workload when it Mm -hmm. can happen. Um, Oh, and something else, but I don't remember what it is. (laughs) But (laughs) there's three major points (laughs) that would help. That's so good, though, because probably a lot of people listening have no idea what a 504 plan is. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because that can be one of many tools in our tool chest on how do we help our kids. I also don't think that it's something that the school is like, oh, you should do this, which is too bad. Particularly in the mental health realm. Correct. So would you 
Mm-hmm. Give us a quick and yeah. dirty on what a 504 is. And I is. don't know if it's 504 across the nation, if it's, it's a state thing. I don't even know. But I think it is, but I'm not 100%. Yeah. I'm so just a mom. When so. I, <laughs> I'm just a mom, too. Yeah. But at one point, I was just a teacher. <laughs> so you have so the inside track. I knew, I knew that as a teacher, there was an IEP, and that's when you have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And then in the state of Kansas, there's a thing called a 504. And a 504 is when you have um, a health, diagnosed health concern that interferes with the learning, with the learning process. Okay. And so Laurel's diagnosed severe anxiety and depression clearly come in the way of her schooling. Right. Clearly. So, um, and they're a lot easier to get in middle school than they are in high school. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. I'm, I'm an old middle school teacher. Mm. I just, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, let's get this set up before we get to high school. Mm-hmm. Smart. And I've already told the, high, um, the middle school and the admin there that I want Laurel almost kind of already put onto a list because the Blue Valley School District has um, the academy, which mm-hmm. is like an alternative schooling. Um, we have a young man who lives with us and he goes there for a different reason but they go from 9 to like 2.30. They bring no homework home. Mm-hmm. Everything is done in the school. There's small classes and it's like really laid back and mm-hmm. relaxed. And I'm like, that sounds like it's for Laurel. Right. <laughs> but she has to go to public high school for at least a semester, what I understand. Okay. So she's going to have to go at least a semester and see how that goes. But I kind of want to slip her into the academy because I don't want her to get overwhelmed. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario um, would be a virtual school or homeschool situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would. Lo- the thing is with that, not that those are bad. I just think that Laurel really does need to get out of the house and needs a social routine. That was my next question. That's why. That's why I say that. Sure. Thinking back a few years ago, would you have ever imagined that you would be hoping that she would go to the academy or that you would think that that would be a good idea for her? Never. I would have never have thought that. Mm. When Eric was alive, never, would never cross my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And if Eric was alive, I don't know mm. if we would be here or maybe we might. Right. You know. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. And with those coulda, woulda, shouldas. <laughs> so many. I, I, hate, I hate her. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. What do you do about that when those could have, when I call it her, because yeah, she shows up. Yeah. How do you handle her? Um, Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, There is nothing that we can do. You're right. We don't know. And how are we okay with not knowing? Like, how do you get to the point where we're okay with that? Mm Yeah. that's kind of part of what I do as a, as a life coach, especially working with grief, because mm-hmm. there are so many shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And um, we just have to find the peace for it, whether mm-hmm. that be um, 
forgiveness for ourself or for Eric for dying and putting me in the situation to parent as a solo parent mm-hmm. and not mess up the kids any more than they're already messed up. <laughs> I had a therapist a long time ago say, you're going to screw your kids yeah. up, so just be okay with that. Just we be all okay do. With it. <laughs> so. Well, and they're kids. They're going to make mistakes. Of course. But in the great grand scheme of things, like if she goes to the academy or if she's homeschooled or even if she has to drop out and does her GED, in the great grand scheme of things, does it matter? No. Nope. No. There's lots of ways to learn. There's lots of ways to make money. She'll be successful at whatever she chooses to do because she'll choose it and she'll have a passion for it. Definitely. Mm. If you could give parents one piece of advice about this whole journey, parenting a child who struggles with mental illness, what would it be? Mm. Probably just love your kid. That's so good. Nothing else really matters. Right. I mean, work can wait. You can reschedule the client. School really doesn't matter. I mean, the grades, they don't matter either. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) You know, after Eric died, I told the girls, I was like, you know, state testing, who cares? Like, nobody cares. Like, don't even worry about it. And so uh, Rachel took that quite literally. So she just literally marks things down. Well, she's a junior. She got called in because she scored in the two percentile. (laughs) And you're thinking, I didn't even know that was possible. I know. I was like, dang, that is low. (laughs) Because she just played tic-tac-toe. Yeah, she get like a sticker for that one. Oh, wow. uh, But she had to do a reading out loud in front of a panel of teachers over Egyptians and Rachel's wow. not a huge reader anyway, but she's not stupid. You know what I mean? Right. Like she's, she's a smart kid. She's fine. And so she's so nervous about pronunciating things oh, correctly in front of these panels of teachers that she doesn't know. Mm. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to ask you a series of questions over what you just read. And Rachel laughed and she was like, uh... I didn't pay attention to what I was reading. I was just reading the words. Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> nerve-wracking. So like, we really recommend Rachel to go into a reading <laughs> class her junior year. And I was like, no, thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's okay. I had she's, No, we oh. really do think she would. No, no <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> wow. I promise. Oh, my gosh. But those things don't matter. Mm-hmm. Rachel's going to be successful. Laurel's going to be successful. I do worry about her monitoring herself, but throughout this journey, I think that these kids are a little bit more self-aware hmm. than, than others. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give parents on taking care of themselves while parenting a child who has a mental illness? I would say that you have to however that looks for you because if you have nothing to give you're not going to help your kid and you're not going to teach your kid how to give them self-care either Mm. now I don't I haven't always given myself (laughs) self-care 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we get to points where we're like, I need all the self-care. Mm. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm never stopping this because I need it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you've got to prioritize that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the example of when you're on an airplane and the oxygen mm-hmm. drops, well, you can't help your child who's incapable of putting it on him or herself if yours isn't on first. Correct. Yeah. You've got to model it. You've got to do it. You've got to, uh-huh. And that can look very different in different seasons too, right? So absolutely. in December of 2020, mm-hmm. what did that look like for you when Laurel was suicidal? Oh, I think I slept with her. Mm-hmm. So you, you were able to sleep because you were next to her. Yes. Yeah. And what did you say before we got on? What did you say about sleeping? Sleeping well, was... sometimes sleep is a way for mental health wise. This is just what I've been told through some of these experts that we've worked with mm-hmm. is that it's a way for them to kind of quiet down whatever voice is speaking into the, you know, if it's mm-hmm. the, the negative thoughts, the suicidal thoughts, it's a way to shut them down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's why there's a lot of sleep involved, gotcha. but it also is a, sign of depression too so it's right. a, it could it's really hard to know and it's a symptom of grief all <laughs> and all exhaustion to one poor <laughs> little girl yeah right and that's yeah. that's the thing so one of the things that i've really been a big stickler on since our journey started is that you know, this is not a sprint this is a marathon. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, totally agree. I mean, we're still, I mean, Laurel had symptoms as, as a toddler mm-hmm. and um, she hit a low point at 10 and we're still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And this is, not, you know, one time she told me, I don't want to be on pills the rest of my life. And I'm like, even if you are, it's okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of us take pills. For a lot of different reasons. For a reasons. lot of different reasons. Aches and pains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Omega 3s. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Mm. I was like, if you need it, you need it, honey. Mm. Just. Yes, because if she had any other kind of chronic health condition, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't think twice about it. Right. And that's where we need to get with mental health. Yeah. And, you know, some people, um, I know they talk a lot about... Um, nutrition and diet Mm -hmm. and I don't disagree I just think that um that's not possible 100% for us right now Mm -hmm. um and so if it's medication it's medication for us Mm -hmm. so as long as you get what you need um however you get it Mm -hmm. then good so what I hear you saying is that there are a lot of different types of treatments yes and i think whatever right (laughs) nutrition i'm just a mom right i mean i'm just a mom i was just trying to do that good listening skill thing where so what i hear you saying is right um but that that that's one piece of the whole i think so puzzle yeah and i would agree with you and a lot of times there are multiple pieces at least in our case, and, mm-hmm. and it sounds like in yours as well, there are multiple pieces yeah. 
that need to be worked into that puzzle to complete the picture. Yeah. Therapy, medication. Sunshine. uh, Sunshine, exercise. Yeah. Nutrition, hospitalization, Mm -hmm. um, intensive outpatient treatment, a whole myriad of those things. Dogs. Dogs. Therapy animals. That is such a great thing now. It's a thing. It's a total thing on college campuses. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I just got a text from Will the other day. Mom, they have therapy dogs here today. I'll be out for a while. That's amazing. Isn't that great? And how great that we're realizing that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I had Laurel. um, She was sitting on the chair, wrapped up in a blanket, depressed. And I said, you know what? Go sit in the hammock chair outside on the deck. It wasn't in direct sunlight, but it was outside. And so she just got up and moved, and I said, I'll bring you whatever you want to drink. You know, so I made her a tall thing of ice water and took it out to her. And, yeah, however she can get it, Mm -hmm. we do it. Absolutely. Any more thoughts before we close? (laughs) This was good. Mm. Um, Yeah, I just would like to reiterate that I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) It is all trial and error, Mm. you know, and I asked you, I mean, you Mm -hmm. and I went out to lunch and you gave me some great ideas and great mindset stuff on, I'm not a bad, bad mom, Mm. you know, just love her. And I feel like I did that, Mm. you know, and I did it in the best way that I could, but every kid's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And that's hard too. It is hard. Yeah, because there's no one way. Mm -hmm. There's no x-ray. There's no blood test Mm. to say, oh, this is what's wrong and this is what's going to fix it. Yeah, that really sucks. It does. Yeah. It's a lot of trial and error. (sighs) And, but we keep pushing. And right now, Laurel is in a good place. And we are celebrating that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what next week holds. <laughs> All right, but I'm celebrating that she's in a good place today. Right, me too, me too. Thank okay. you. Carrie, I cannot thank you enough for being yeah. so open um, about your journey and Laurel's journey. Mm-hmm. And I just really thank you for being on the podcast with me I'm today. so glad you're doing this. Thank you, Carrie. It's about time. Well... <laughs> It's been a journey. (laughs) So we will sign off with that. Thanks for listening to Just a Mom. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Wanna see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.